1: Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, a registered nutritionist, best selling author of Renourish, a simple way to eat well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic in each episode i'll be joined by special guests all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice misconceptions and unsustainable diets make the prospect of eating healthily an unrealistic goal but it doesn't have to be the case. While knowing how to eat well has become unnecessarily confusing, the truth couldn't actually be simpler to decipher. This week's Food for Thought sees NHS dietitian and runner, Charlie Watson and I explore how to enjoy a healthier diet and what we can do to make those better choices. Hello, Charlie.
3: Hi, thanks so much for having me on the podcast.
1: Oh, such a pleasure. I've been so looking forward to this episode. I think just because it's going to help so many people, because it's just not easy, is it, to tell your clients, just eat everything in moderation, because that phrase is definitely one that we tend to use.
3: Definitely. And moderation is so different for everybody um, that you can can think you're giving one piece of advice and actually the way that somebody interprets it is so different to the way that you interpret it or your mum interprets it or your your husband or whoever so yeah it's something that um we might have one interpretation but other people have many different ones
1: i know and uh, i think also that's part of the complicated nature of our jobs but equally how things are portrayed in the media or online in particular, I feel like most people go online these days to get, um, to get information, of course. And it's even more difficult. How do you read between the lines or how do you interpret how anyone's going to see what you have to say? Because what is, I guess the question everyone wants to know is what is the healthiest diet, Charlie? Is there one out there?
3: So I was thinking about this and I, and I don't think there is one particular diet that fits everybody, because we are all so different. We all have individual needs. We have individual goals, health you know, concerns, um, health history. And so I think the healthiest diet for you is the one that makes you feel best, both mentally mm. and physically. Because I think that's such a big part of you know, our eating is our mental health and the social aspects and the, you know, you don't wanna add stress. Even if a diet is making you feel great physically, if it's adding a lot of stress to your life, then it might not be the best one for you. So it's about finding what is right for you. What makes you feel at your best? And that might be different from, you know, your best friend or whoever you're following online. And it's about trial and error and getting to the point where you feel great. I love that and especially
1: because straight away you use the word diet in terms of what we eat, not obviously you're a qualified registered dietitian and you know better that technically diets are not just about restriction, are they? I mean, things evolve over time constantly and unfortunately I feel that that word has lost its meaning, hasn't it? Mm.
3: Yeah, I hate the idea of people saying I'm on a diet because actually when I think of the word diet, I'm sure when you think of the word diet, it is about our our nutrition and it's about what we're putting into our bodies and what makes up our dietary intake rather than it being a case of what have you cut out? What are you not eating? Um, and I think we need to flip this idea of diet and make it into a positive one. What are you eating to make you feel great? What are you using to fuel your body and your mind? Um, and, and take this negative impact of the word diet out of our lives.
1: Mm, Reprogramming almost and just reassessing and starting from the beginning. That's why I wrote re-nourish, I just felt like we needed to go back to basics and just start again and I feel that a lot of information that we have to offer in the UK to do with nutrition really is very confused and has such negative connotations and the Eat Well Guide for example, I think it's generally quite confusing sometimes for the public because we've seen lots of changes haven't we over the years to it.
3: Yeah, massively so. There was a huge upgrade um, in 2016 where they kind of reduced some sizes of the portions, you know, increased some sections, removed entire sections, and for many of us, we won't have seen that Eat Well Guide maybe since school, maybe ever, and then we're suddenly presented it, you know, in term, on TV or at the doctor's office, and nobody ever really talks us through it. And what does that mean? And what does it mean for me and my food choices? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the move that we've seen in the last sort of four years to the upgraded, you know, the the plate rather than or the guide rather than the plate is is a good thing. But that one before then was around for like 20 years. And we've done, we've come on leaps and bounds in terms of research, in terms of um, information, in terms of access to information in those 20, 25 years. So I think that we need to be upgrading this and updating this more regularly. But also, I think it's really crucial that people think about this as a it's for the general population it's a guide it is not a strict you must follow this mm. and it will fit every single person and every you know all of their goals all of the stages in life that you're at so it's using it as a kind of guide rather than a um you know one size fits all
1: completely and it's so nice in the updated version that it caters for different dietary choices in a different way because I do feel obviously the old one um, almost gave those dietary choices or, or made them feel alienated perhaps if for instance you didn't want to consume dairy it was an ethical mm. choice or you couldn't and there was a section for dairy or car- carbohydrates, let's start with carbs actually because <laughs> carbs are obviously a very controversial food group still which is such a shame but I do feel we have come on leaps and bounds the fact that we're getting a message out there that carbs are not bad. so in a way i'm hoping that people now view the eat well guide as being generally what we're trying to do to help people because i think there was before a lot of people would say oh it's a load of rubbish because they believed carbohydrates were bad you know there was a very big um, mistrust i think in health professionals for a while but we need balanced meals don't we we need these carbohydrates uh, meals and how, what would you describe to everybody first of all I guess as a balanced um meal and um does it matter if at
3: every meal time you don't quite make it so I would look at it as a either over a day or over a week and whatever you find most helpful for yourself so whether you are somebody that you know does a weekly meal plan and looks at what you're buying so that you've got Balance over that week. Are you getting enough protein, carbs, and fat, and overall calories actually throughout the week to sustain your lifestyle, and not stressing quite so much? If if you find that overwhelming, uh, you know, to do it by each meal time, for other people, they sit down and they look at their plate and they think, you know, right, here's my portion of carbohydrates, here's my portion of fruit or vegetables, here's my portion of protein, and here's some fat. So it's about finding out what's most helpful for you and and looking at that but not in terms of just your meals but also your snacks knowing Mm. that often combining protein and carbs and fat as a snack is more satiating. it's going to keep you full it's going to be more satisfying for you than just going for kind of one food group um but 100 yeah the idea of balance and i think we all talk about balance in our lifestyles in our food in in you know work and family it's It's not necessarily always in perfect balance all the time, and that's okay. It's about getting an overall balance that works for you.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I couldn't agree more. Everything you've said is spot on. And finding what works for you is, is the most important thing. And I'm sure lots of people are thinking, well, how on earth do I start? How on earth do I find what works for me? Do I need to understand calories to do this or perhaps macros and micronutrients do i need to know all of this to do that
3: yeah another kind of i feel like instagram has got a lot to answer for with people thinking they need to count their macros and you know work out exactly what is in every meal and i think bringing it back to basics and thinking about a calorie as simply a unit of energy and giving people a bit of an understanding of how many calories how much energy is in different types of food can be handy and then looking at things like protein carbs and fats are macronutrients as just the makeup of these foods so some foods have more protein than than carbs some food has more fat and thinking about your you know your overall either your plate or your overall day intake or week intake and looking at getting a certain percentage of your calories of your energy from carbohydrates protein and fat roughly speaking about 45 percent from carbs 35 percent from protein and 20 percent from fat
2: Mm -hmm.
3: um and I think just for the for most people a general understanding is enough and you Mm -hmm. can use food labels for that you can um speak to speak to a dietitian, speak to a nutritionist. But for a lot of people going further than that and kind of tracking macros and micronutrients and, and really getting into the nitty gritty is too much and become a bit, can, can become a bit overwhelming for them.
1: Yeah and I think you can also lose the value of food when we get to that stage so of course at certain points in our life or as you know working in a hospital-based environment it's so important to know the calories and the energy that somebody needs to consume to be healthy of course from food but when it comes to that micro level I think and you mentioned it can be very overwhelming for some it can become obsessive and for others it can just it can become miserable i suppose mm. because you may be tracking something and not achieving any results you wanted from tracking it in the first place calories don't really describe to people the quality and the wonderful aspect of what that food can offer does it
3: no and it can become it just it takes out the joy for mm. for a lot of people and um we can become so obsessed with the calorie content that you lose the why are you eating this what is your you know what is your goal from eating this are you sharing a piece of cake with a friend when we're allowed to to celebrate their birthday or are you refueling after a workout in which case maybe you're getting something else from you know something beyond calories from the cake you're sharing with someone maybe you're getting the you know the carbohydrates and the protein that you're looking for f- to help you feel better after your workout or maybe it's you know you're a busy mom and you're just trying to give yourself enough fuel to keep going through the day so you're looking for different things and if we just break it down to this calorie numbers level we lose all of that
1: mm, com- uh, completely um and that's why we try to say it. of course there are there are big um, voices out there in the media, often online saying that the only way to really achieve a healthy body or be a healthy, even weight, if we use use the idea of, you know, maintaining a healthy body weight, is to track calories and know your energy and energy out. but that's not necessarily the case for everybody. And when we get to things that are forgotten, it's also the variety, isn't it? Because, diversity of foods makes such a big difference on our on our well-being, on our gut health, on our functioning of our cognition, our brain, our heart health. Um, why don't you divulge um, all the differences that we need from food?
3: Yeah, so when... You know, we've kind of I've heard it and I've said it multiple times. You know, eat the rainbow, eat mm. a wide variety of food because that's going to provide you with, as you've said, the variety of fiber in your diet for a, for good gut health. So, trying to get kind of thirty different types of fiber into your diet each week, eating different colors. So each different um, you know colors of fruit and vegetables provides different vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients um, that we need for a good healthy balanced diet so looking at things like you know getting some red red fruits and vegetables that ha- contain lycopene getting green fruits and vegetables that have vitamin k um and and thinking about the going beyond this right well you know what am i eating what am i eating to sustain my energy levels but also what am i eating to protect my heart to protect my skin to um you know prevent The uh, prevent diabetes, that sort of thing, and looking at that in terms of let's add positives into our diet. Let's Mm. add things and make it a fun, you know, uh, communicative within your family or whoever you're eating with or cooking for, and let's add some variety to that because I think that variety is definitely, especially at the moment when our days seem very same, same without things to look forward to. you know, experimenting in the kitchen, choosing different seasonal fruits and vegetables, um, looking in different areas of the supermarket than you usually would. It's quite a fun way to add, you know, extra variety into our diets, but into our daily lives as well.
1: Completely. We need also the fiber from that variety. We, We need all those different parts of diet to maintain a healthy body. And I think this is another thing that goes to show that if you don't like a food, would you say it really matters? Like, should people, let's use sprouts as a good example. Because- (laughs) I love
3: sprouts. Do
1: you? Okay, because it's my one neophobia. So for everyone listening, it means in childhood, it's the one food I couldn't eat without gagging. And still, and I know it's a neophobia, I still can't eat them, Charlie. Mm.
3: So I think it depends. (laughs) When did you last eat the food, you know? like. I used to hate sprouts, but that's because I had them boiled at school Ooh, and yeah. yeah, absolutely disgusting. And I feel the same way about some other foods. Um, mine is like olives and pickly things. Really? I just can't, can't eat them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when did you last eat it? When have you last drink I feel like so many of us are like, oh, I don't like that. And actually you've, you haven't had it for years or you've only had yeah. it cooked in one way. But if you really don't like something, like food is supposed to be enjoyed, don't eat it. and you know if it's a whole food group that you're not eating think about what you know going now down to kind of the micronutrient level but what are you getting what would you be getting from that so for you for sprouts what would you be getting from that you'd be getting the folate the vitamin k which is good for blood and bone health but you're probably eating multiple other types of vegetable that provide yeah. that for you so you don't need to you know force your way through sprouts unless maybe it's christmas dinner and your mum's cooked them or something <laughs> but You know, if it's a whole food group, then look at what macro and micronutrients you're getting from that food group, and where can you replace? You know, add in. Let's think about this. It's not about focusing on what you're cutting out, but what can you add in to replace that. So, if it is for me, it's olivey thing. So maybe that's a good source of fat in my diet. So what am I getting? I'm getting it from you know, uh, hummus and avocado and olive oil instead. So I don't need to do anything to replace those olive oil, you know, the olives that I'm not eating.
1: Yeah. And that's when I do think education does come in and is key because you have an understanding of where to get those other nutrients from in your diet. And this is quite a big thing, actually, particularly for people that choose a different lifestyle. For instance, if you choose to go vegan and it's important to know that you can be a very healthy vegan but you just need to know where to get your nutrition from in other parts so to anyone listening please don't be scared to reach out for a bit of help because every qualified dietitian registered nutritionist will point you to a resource or direction if if they can um to help educate you there's lots of free resources online to learn more let's move on to sugar (laughs) yeah um i think that sugar obviously we know that um there's a fine line but i still think people believe that it's toxic and that it's addictive
3: it's i think it's a tricky one we've seen the headlines that you know say sugar is as addictive as cocaine and it's exactly. um it can you know you've got to think about this they're, they're trying to sell papers they are headlines they have been taken pretend you know we I haven't read every single study that went into the, this. How did they get to this headline? And when we when we think of sugar, I think it's important to uh, differentiate between what we would call free sugars. So these are sugars that have been added into food or drinks, um, in in things like biscuits, chocolate, cake, um, but also in things like honey and syrups, and then naturally occurring sugars in your fruits your vegetables your dairy products and i think we need to i personally like to treat them quite differently because i think that the benefits that we get from the vitamins and minerals and the fiber in the products that have the naturally occurring sugar so like the fruits and vegetables the dairy products if that's if you're choosing to eat dairy is it's it's more than the sugar that you're getting from that you're getting so much more you're you're unlikely to be saying right I'm getting you know I'm I'm having this um you know tomato because I'm really craving something sweet and Mm. and so looking (laughs) at it as something beyond that as a as a great addition and important component of your diet and then looking beyond that at the the things that you're having that are the these free sugars and thinking about them in terms of cakes and sweets and and I do think that there for most people there is a space in your diet for free sugars and foods that you um you know that contain them but it's about looking at a when you're eating them so are you eating them because you are you know feeling emotional are you eating returning to something like that because you're feeling sad or feeling lonely or um angry or are you doing it as we said before as a right it's my friend's birthday and I'm sharing a piece of cake with her and so looking Mm. at when when these kind of when you're having these types of foods the quantity that you're having them in and the quality as we've said before is it a you know are you whipping up a some flapjacks some homemade flapjacks or are you going to your lo- local supermarket and buying a you know a massive cake and eating sitting down and eating that so i think the problem with sugar is it's it's been so demonized by everybody that it's it takes out the right let me make an informed decision about this and it kind mm. of becomes this we shouldn't have sugar
1: mm. Yeah, but it becomes I, a very demonized food that is just yeah. bad, downright bad.
3: Yeah, and and people find themselves justifying it. I feel like you know on social media or even even working as a dietitian in a hospital when you know you're having some chocolate and people are like, oh well, I'm you know I'm really tired or I got given this by a patient or I'm you know I'm just having a rubbish day or don't look at me. And I, I hate the idea that we're demonizing any type of food like that because mm. it's. It should be enjoyable. It should be. Um, it should be something that you feel in control of. In my opinion, in, when it comes to kind of sugar, if that makes sense. Uh, of
1: course. I mean, it's almost like I think as human beings, our very nature, we are desperate for a solution or a reason why, and often it can be easy to pinpoint one particular nutrient or type of food or something in our diets. And we're, Charlie and I are not denying the fact that too much. Sugar, in terms of free sugars, alongside a poorly balanced nutrition diet, is not good for you. And we're not saying that sugar is immensely wonderful for your health long term, but it does no harm to have it in the right quantities in your diet. And I think when things are seen as harmful, that's when things transpire in a kind of vicious circle and things almost as if, oh, I can't have it ever, therefore (laughs) it's all I want, which... It's human nature, of course we all do that, don't we?
3: And I think it's important to just know that sugar is having its moment now and, you know, in the 70s it was fat and Mm. in a few years' time it'll be something else. And as we're saying, it's for the general population, obviously people with, like, diabetes need to be more careful of sugars in their diet and there are certain conditions, other conditions that you need to be more aware. But for the average person that is healthy sleeping well eating a balanced diet exercising they you know i don't see any harm in having some sugars in their diet
1: no exactly completely agree now if we move on to things like ready meals i guess because again i think now they've changed haven't they I mean of course we want to encourage cooking from scratch and I think more of that has happened there's definitely been a resurgence since the pandemic um by the way the pandemic is still happening as we record this I should just say since the pandemic but unfortunately we're still very much um
3: yeah.
1: in it at, at the moment but they've got better haven't they ready meals sometimes
3: oh massively so and I think the the variety the availability the cooking methods have changed so much because manufacturers realize that we want to make healthy choices but we don't always have the time or the Mm. means to do so and so they are you know they're very savvy and they've cottoned (laughs) onto this and are providing us with you know I almost hate the idea of ready meal I would say it's like convenience food yes yes rather than this ready meal, because I feel like the ready meal is still, I associate it with like a TV dinner that's like high in sugar, high in salt, high in fat, and in a Mm. microwavable tray that you don't even need to decant onto a plate. That's not recyclable. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) With a plastic little film. Yeah. But, But the reality is there are so many options. There are, you know, you can, from everything from something that you do just throw in the oven or microwave to, you know, these meal kits at home where everything's prepped and you cook it, yourself to frozen meals that are ready to go and and I think when we're looking it's it's you know it's difficult to say right these are all bad or these are all good because they like the the variety is so great now and it also depends on in my opinion when you you know how often are you having these what does the rest of your diet look like what are you adding maybe to your you know convenience foods and what role you know what role do they play within your day-to-day diet if it's that you're grabbing one on on a friday night on the way home after a really busy week then i would just kind of relax about it and get what you want and think about you know what what have you chosen look at the food labels what are you maybe adding to make sure that you've got some of the fiber that we've talked about some variety and enjoy your meal if you're using them every night because you don't have facilities or the time Mm -hmm. to cook then it's when I would look more closely at the ingredients list, the additives, the cooking methods, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, our mental health, actually, when you when you think about food, I always say food and psychology work hand in hand, and it's definitely true. And all the topics that we're discussing discussing today on how to eat well and w- what to do, I guess at the end of the day, you have to live your life in, in a happy mental state most of the time because... Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your
2: first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
3: definitely (laughs) i'm (laughs) saying this like seriously from experience and it's it's one of these you know become become it's a it's very cyclical because Mm. when we feel like our mood is altering we tend to you know we we go for different foods and that then can also impact our impact our mood so you can become a kind of it can become a bit of a vicious cycle um i think it's important to think about food as you know when you it's glycogen or glucose that feeds our muscles but it also feeds our brain because our brain mm. is a muscle and we need to think about that when we are making food choices um so thinking about things like carbohydrates so if you're having not enough carbohydrates that can affect your focus your concentration um making sure you've got an adequate supply of them but they're not going for the you know the really quick release sugar energy which is going to give you a bit of a spike and then maybe make you feel a bit rubbish after so um you know things like choosing whole grain foods can give you Mm. a sustained a sustained amount of energy which will impact your your you know your the muscles when we think of them like your legs your arms that sort of thing but also your brain
1: yeah a hundred percent and things like proteins with tryptophan and the amino acids that can lead to wonderful serotonin production alongside carbs there's i think we're obviously talking about food in quite a complex level i guess when you go down that route with food and mood but what you've just said about making the right dietary choices it also just to counterbalance that for everyone listening which is why nutrition is (laughs) confusing it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to feel terrible if you have a piece of chocolate
3: oh yeah and and sometimes like we it, that does make you feel better in the moment and yeah. and i think for for me when i speak to patients it's about understanding what those triggers are and why are you reaching for this piece of chocolate and you know looking you know in terms of kind of things like why why do we reach for Things like chocolate because it's this quick energy source when we Mm. are stressed, and when we're stressed, we know we release more ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, Um, and it gives us the you know our body the signal to start eating. And when we are really stressed, we the amount of leptin, which is the um, hormone that tells us to stop eating, can we can override it, and because our because our hormones are so you know what we eat affect our hormones and what we our hormone levels are affects what we eat if that makes sense you know it's all this really fine balance and our body is so clever but food like needs to go into fueling those Balances and the product, you know, the the energy systems that affect mm. our hormones.
1: I, I do genuinely think that enjoying a little bit of what you like every now and again does really, really help. And I don't want everybody listening thinking, oh, I haven't eaten very well this week. Is that why I'm feeling depressed? There, there's sleep to think about. There's exercise. There's stress. There are emotional differences in. Our day-to-day activities, our arguments with, you know, relationships with people, yeah. everything plays a role. But, Charlie, we had lots of questions from our listeners, and <laughs> one of them in particular, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring up, but I've actually spoken to Charlie before this episode. Um, and Charlie is currently going through a round of IVF, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah and I know you're very uh, well open to speak about it because it's not an easy thing to be going through and do you have a specific type of nutritional approach to support dealing with such a you know strenuous time emotionally
3: Yeah so this was a really interesting one for me because I obviously started researching and as a dietitian I became so overwhelmed with how much information and misinformation there was yeah. out there. And I could look at one IVF clinic's advice versus another, versus a study, versus the NHS guidelines. And I it got to the point where it started to stress me out what I was cutting out, adding in, changing. And I thought, I've got a degree in this. What are other people feeling at a time where like hormones are raging we're all it's something that's such a sensitive topic anyway and you feel like you're so out of control when you're going through something like fertility treatment that maybe food is a way that you feel like you can control things Mm -hmm. and and it just it made me quite upset and angry the the kind of lack of guidelines there were for for this so I actually just really simplified the approach and went with what did what did so the NHS suggests for pregnant women. And I took my supplements as required, mm-hmm. as recommended the folic acid. I've been taking that for about eight months. I took vitamin D. I did take um, another supplement COQ10 that um, mm-hmm. my um, fertility clinic recommended and a cut out alcohol. And I really yeah. just kept it as simple as that because yeah. otherwise there was just, you need to cut out all toxins in your food and you need to Mm. cut out everything needs to be organic and you can't have any caffeine and you can't have this and you can't have that and i just thought this is too much and we know that stress plays such a role in not only our food choices but in our fertility that Mm. yeah it just became it preys on the
1: vulnerable because Mm -hmm. at a time in your life where you know you are young and you're going through something that has been so difficult for you personally and then you're seeing all this misinformation that is blatantly targeted often to make money as well The misinformation out there it's quite sickening really um the types of things you see online because the i guess another question we've got which is on the same type of part sarah has said when i'm on my period so again an emotional a link as well as biological Mm -hmm. any healthy eating goes out of the window how can i curb this
3: (laughs) so i think this is it's obviously it's something that happens monthly. And I think that you can, you can either think about it in terms of, right, well, once a month, everything goes out the window, or you can think about it as this is part of my balanced month. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this, you know, this week, I am going to have slightly more chocolate in my diet, or I'm going to have slightly more saturated fat in my diet whatever it is that is the you know thing that you kind of crave and look at that as part of a balance and think right well let me try and focus on still getting my 30 different types of fiber and still eating the rainbow alongside that and and take that stress out of it for you and and create your you know that week that month around it and and just kind of I would say relax a little bit because it's it's the stress of eating something that you think is in inverted commas bad for you makes actually takes out a lot of the enjoyment for eating that thing that is bad for you and therefore you feel guilt and then you feel worse and i just feel like it's this whole um the media has played play plays us on this doesn't it this yes, you know you shouldn't eat this you've eaten this now you should feel bad about yourself now you should go and exercise or maybe you should only eat a plate of lettuce whereas actually if we make room in our diets for these things that and for the periods of time where we are feeling low or going through our periods or having hormonal changes then actually you're more accepting of it and you can enjoy it and create space for it
1: yeah completely i completely agree i i think that we Emotional eating, which again, we had lots of questions on Mm. on emotional eating and emotions are intrinsically linked, like Charlie said earlier, with our hunger hormone, with ghrelin and with how, how full we feel or how not hungry we feel with leptin. We can't always control what happens inside our body. It's so clever. It does just kind of regulate itself. And the fact that as human beings... It's nothing to do with willpower when it comes to food and emotional eating cycles. And too often I see that, you know, mm-hmm. all across the internet. It's so many other factors. It's not that you're weak or you're weak minded because comfort eating is complex, isn't
3: it, Charlie? Definitely. And I think that, you know, we don't overestimate the amount of kind of the emotion that society has put on these foods yeah. so that you've grown up with. That you know the link between certain foods and certain emotions, and so it's very hard to kind of reprogram that in your mind. And and as we say, like willpower, it's nothing to do with willpower. I think there are things that you can, um, you know, get put into practice. You can create routines around eating so that you don't get to the point where you're so hungry that you reach for something. You can store your stock your cupboards with um filling, nutritious foods, but ultimately we, our hormones and our emotions are so linked to, or can be so linked to food that it's, I think it would be not dangerous, but I think it's irresponsible for us to say, you know, you should have enough willpower to to not eat the chocolate bar, to not reach for the glass of wine, to not you know, get to the end of the packet of crisps or something. And I think it's um, unfair that we have been made to feel like it is our fault if we mm. or you know that we're to blame if we get ourselves into those situations
2: oh c-
1: completely it that's exactly it it's a strange societal, do you know, I was speaking to a client earlier today on the phone, Um, obviously now unfortunately we can't do face to face, but we were just talking about the fact that we're shaped very much from childhood and the world that surrounds us, us, the environment that we live in, and times do change, but the language that we use around food, around emotions, around coping strategies, it's just, it has such a big impact. Um, But I digress, we need to take one more question, (laughs) one more question from a listener. Um, I saw oh this one relates back to the eat well plate so debbie has said i saw canada removed dairy from their food guide so do we not need it
3: the, so we we reduced our um the dairy on our eat well mm. plate by 50 percent, which i think is very telling yeah. um and there's much more emphasis on kind of calcium intake from your overall diet and looking at other options for things like soy, other plant-based goods. I would say dairy is a very personal choice. It it has a place in my diet, but if it doesn't have a place in your diet and you're getting the calcium and the vitamin D and the other minerals that you, that you can get from dairy from other sources, then I don't think you need to have it in there. But it's one of those things we were talking about earlier that you need some information. Maybe that's the time to reach out to a um, registered nutritionist or dietitian to ask for some advice on what you can add into your diet to ensure that you're not becoming deficient in any areas um, in, you know, calcium or um, any other minerals or vitamins that we would normally get from dairy.
1: Yeah, they're very, very well answered. Thank you, Charlie. So we're now going to move on to our fact or fiction round. Are you ready? (laughs) A little bit. I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't be nervous. You will smash it. Okay, here we go. If you could answer fact or fiction to the following questions. Fruit and veg should be a third of what we eat daily. Fact. Additives are always bad. Fiction.
3: Starchy foods
1: are rich in nutrients.
3: They can be. So, 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 um, go for it. Fa- I'm going to go with fact. They can be, yeah. Okay. You, feel free to expand on anything <laughs> okay. you want by the way oh, as fine. well. Go so I it. would say that starchy foods, I think that's, they encompass such a wide range of, um, of foods like starchy carbohydrates can be things like, uh, whole grain pasta and bread and potatoes, which are really rich in nutrients, but they can also be, um, you know, things that are very manufactured, very processed, so, which are less packed with nutrients so i would say <laughs> depends on the starchy starchy foods that you're going for
1: perfect um right if you're changing your diet do it quickly
3: fiction i would say do it with uh, you know make informed decisions change one thing at a time do not feel like you need to go like 100% if you're you know if, i think the thing that a lot of people are doing now is going more plant-based and that's great but you can make changes really slowly and see what works for you and see how you feel and then you've got time and space to add things in take things away move things around and learn a lot more about what you're eating
1: brilliant um obesity is more common than being underweight
3: oh see this is a i mm. i would say probably the statistics set suggest yes but the prevalence of malnutrition that i see in the hospital and uh, uh, you know uh, uh being underweight is huge i work a lot yeah. with the care of the elderly wards and so um we yeah we see a lot of patients that are underweight and also i think it's important to know that you know the, the idea of malnutrition so like you know poor nutrition encompasses both ends of the spectrum and yeah. you can be you know a, a BMI I'm just using this for example because I know that it's a bit still a bit controversial but um you know BMI over 30 and classified as obese but be malnourished um yeah. I I would say probably the statistics are correct that there's more people have a more uh, there's more prevalence of BMI over 30 which is what we would class as obese than under 18.5
1: yeah which very very yeah. well answered 100 percent. and people do underestimate that malnourishment um happens in all age groups. That's, that's, again, it's such a stereotype, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if you want to be healthy, sugar can't be in your diet.
3: False, I think that sugar can play a very, um, you know, an important role in our diet in terms of where you're getting it from, like your your dairies, your fruits, your vegetables, um, and also the emotional part in terms of, you know, um, having, having a treat or having something that you enjoy eating in i hate to say it, moderation but um you know as part of a healthy diet so yes. i think that almost if you're cutting it out completely you could create more issues within your diet um and lifestyle than than trying to you know making space for it
1: completely organic food is always healthier
3: false i think that there's so many um misleading food labels that you know they say these are organic crisps and therefore they're you know people uh hoped that they think that it means they're healthier. I don't think that at all. I think it's just a part of the um, growing process, the manufacturing process. We do know that there are some fruits and vegetables that they suggest that if you can afford to, to buy them organically, then do so. But there's other ones that, you know, they're the way they're grown, the skins that they have, there's no need to. So I think it's about um, looking at where you live, where you're buying your products from and what you can afford to, to buy.
1: 100 percent, tinned foods are less nutritious than fresh
3: no false they can sometimes actually be more nutritious so we know that um you know tinned tomatoes actually have higher levels of lycopene than fresh tomatoes because they have been um preserved or you know they've been picked chopped prepared and tinned ready for you whereas actually sometimes the fresh tomatoes that we buy in the supermarket have sat around for quite a while um, and lost some of their nutrient density.
1: Yeah exactly saturated fats are the ones you should limit in your diet.
3: So yes true I think we should have a limited intake of saturated fats I would say it's more the trans fats that are the ones that you should be more wary of so that's in the things like the cakes and biscuits and things um and looking at where you're getting your saturated fats from um because we you know again where you get them from so in things like cakes and biscuits and Mm. treats versus Mm. coconut oil and um yeah so yes i think you should be limiting them to a certain degree but i would say it's the trans fats that are the ones that you probably want to um really limit Yeah um avoid fruit
1: as it's too high in sugar
3: I hate this um and I get it so often and and again I've just got to kind of clarify that for some people like diabetics they do need to watch the type of fruit they're eating and the portion sizes of fruit they're eating but for most people fruit is not going to be playing such a big role in your diet that you need to you know providing so many um so much carbs and sugar that you need to be cutting out I would say that have trying to get at least five portions of your fruit and veg per day is really beneficial to overall health perfect well answered that was our fact or fiction round you did it <laughs> I probably should have expanded a few more on the, one, the earlier ones with the additives I was like um so can I go back to that one yes with the- do, a, a true health professional go for it <laughs> So with the additives, um, actually, when we are f- people are following more plant-based diets, you want to find foods that are fortified or milks, especially you know the milk drinks alternatives. So like the nut nut drinks, oat drinks that are fortified with extra vitamins and minerals can actually be more beneficial to overall health than thinking all additives are, are bad additives.
1: Very, very, very true. Okay, so, Charlie, in fact, you are one of the first ever people to actually ask if you're allowed to expand because most people (laughs) just just do what they like. So I'm (laughs) actually quite (laughs) impressed. That's very polite of you. Thank you for asking. Um, And thank you for giving those answers. That does, unfortunately, wrap up the episode, but we always finish with a food for thought. And I think mine today would really be that... um, Your healthcare professional is there to help you and that's why there are regulated healthcare professionals particularly in the UK where we're obviously recording this podcast like Charlie is a registered dietitian. I am a registered nutritionist but the term nutritionist isn't protected. So there are lots of things online that can be very confusing And hard to decipher and as Charlie said as someone herself who is immensely qualified but also a real human being and we all get to points in our lives where we can be vulnerable and we can we can fall well we can succumb to things that are online and not quite true and finding balance in our own lives is what we really all need to be striving towards I think just supporting and encouraging one another and listening to podcasts like this and um, just sharing sharing whatever you're feeling especially if it's linked to food because actually it doesn't have to be that way forever Um charlie if you could leave our listeners with a take-home food for thought today what would that be
3: yeah I, it would just be around thinking about food in a positive manner rather than a kind of a negative and thinking about things that you can add into your diet and add into your life that will um, be beneficial to your mental and your physical health and let's stop thinking about you know, the idea of dieting as removing things, um, especially at the moment where we are all under quite a lot of stress. We're all, you know, it's difficult to find things that you're looking forward to. I think trying to kind of change our mindset and think about it in this positive way um, is could be really beneficial for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, that was lovely. Charlie, thank you for being so inspirational and for giving your fountains of knowledge and wisdom today where can everybody go to learn more about you
3: so i'm on instagram at the runner beans and blog is the same name and i've got a cookbook called cook eat run which has kind of easy healthy but balanced recipes for for anyone Mm -hmm. and everyone
1: And it is fabulous and for everybody that I don't know if I mentioned it at the beginning but I met Charlie and we trained to be level three PTs together and seeing Charlie go through a journey that she's been on with the NHS and having her book has been incredible to watch so please do go and check her out and Charlie thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week, so make sure that you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And if you have the time to, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review so that we can reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully that will help us reach more and more people. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please do visit retrition.com. And you can follow me on social media at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,